You know, I want to say this to you as you're turning to Luke chapter 17. In a moment, we'll look at verse 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. We've got a lot to be thankful for, and we really ought to focus on that more than we do on our problems. I want to encourage you, not just this week, but for the rest of your life, every day, give thanks to God. I want to tell you that I have never seen in my almost 64 years, I've never seen a time where people are giving in to discouragement and fear more than I have today. But I want to say this to you. The way you combat discouragement and fear is with thanksgiving. To stop and to say, Lord, I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm not going to focus on the bad things, although there's a lot of negative and a lot of bad out there. But I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on all that you've done for me. I'm going to focus on the fact that you are my Lord and I have all that I need because of you. We need to give thanks with a grateful heart. Do you believe that? Well, Jesus sure rewarded it in our text. Notice what he says. While he, Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving what? thanks, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up, go, your faith has made you well. You know, when you give thanks, you hear things that other people don't hear. You experience things that other people don't experience. And you know the Lord at a level that other people don't know him. So let's talk about give thanks with a grateful heart. First of all, Here's something that I believe you are familiar with. People face problems. Did you know that? People face problems. Look at verses 11 
and 12, when he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. It's hard to exaggerate how terrible leprosy was in the Old Testament and in the New Testament time. Absolutely no treatment for it as far as being healed. If you contracted leprosy, your life changed instantly and drastically. You were isolated, completely isolated from your families and your fellow Israelites. You'd live with only lepers. You're talking about quarantine. You were isolated to be either by yourself or with other people with leprosy. You read in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 13, 45 and 46, as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes, can we put that on the screen, please? There you go, thank you. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. The hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. These conditions did not improve. That was in the Old Testament. They didn't improve in the New Testament. Everybody was still the same. So as Jesus was traveling, he came across 10 men with leprosy. They were alone. Where, where were their wives? Why were they the 10 men together? You know, men don't normally travel in flocks, okay? They, men are nomadic. Men just kind of go by themselves. So why were these 10 men together? Where were their wives separated? from them because they had leprosy? Where were their children separated from them because they had leprosy? Where were their mothers? Where were their relatives? Where were their fathers? Where were their siblings separated because they had leprosy? They no longer joined in family meals. Can you imagine that? They only gathered with people like them with leprosy. The Bible says they were standing around. They were too sick to work. If they could work, who would hire them? They had leprosy. They didn't just lose their families. They lost their jobs. For a man, that's hard when he loses his job. All they could do is stand and beg. They were brought down to a horrendous way of living. They stood at a distance all day long. couldn't shake anybody's hand. They couldn't hold their wife. They couldn't let their little grandbabies and children sit on their laps. They couldn't go to a Thanksgiving dinner. They couldn't go to the temple to worship. Couldn't even come to church, if you will. They had to stand at a distance while their skin was rotting and their bodies reeked of a terrible stench. And their appearance every day grew more appalling. Their breath was foul. 
Their bodies, especially their limbs, were becoming broken, bloody, and distorted. Every birthday of a relative, they couldn't be around them. Every holy day, they couldn't be with the people of God. Every wedding anniversary, they had to forget that they were married. Every good thing had been stolen from them by leprosy. All they could do is cover their mouths and say, unclean, unclean. They definitely face problems. When we think about problems, it's hard not to think of the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, godly man who suffered. The only one that suffered more than Job was Jesus. Jesus bore the sins of the whole world. But other than Jesus, Job suffered more than anyone. Even though he was godly, the devil came after him. You know, I've met some Christians, they say, I, I'm really seeking the Lord, and they believe the devil's not going to come after him. I got news for you. That's the ones he's coming after. You can leave his picture up there. I, I think that's a good picture. Satan attacked him. He lost all of his oxen, all of his donkeys, all of his sheep, all of his servants. The hardest blow of all, he lost his children, all 10 of them. Lost his health. He was struck with boils from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. And his wife was so depressed, she said, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? If you just curse God, he'll kill you. Job, death would be better than life. But Job's responded in faith. Bible says in Job 1, 21 and 22, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. So I don't know if I like that. Doesn't matter if you like it. That's the way it is. You came into this world naked and that's how you're going out. Dr. Rogers said most people die in a barred bed wearing barred clothes. That's called the hospital. Those clothes don't cover you very well either. They don't cover you because one size fits all. And you're just waiting to die. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I want to say something. It's, it's easy to get in here and praise the Lord. And hear all this good music and sit down in our nice chairs and know that we're going to leave here today. And there's, If we want food, it's out there. Amen. But for a man that had no children, no farm, no money, all of it was gone, and his health was gone. For him to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's when it's real. That's when it's real. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Then his wife said to him, also in Job 2, 
Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Now, you know he was getting brave there, amen? That's not how you normally talk to your wife. <laughs> Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? What if God knows that the best thing for you is not for you to have more, but for you to have less? What if God sees that in your life the best thing for you would not be for you to have health, but for you to go through a time of sickness? You said God doesn't work that way. Sure he does. Sure he does. He's not interested in our comfort. He's interested in our Christ-likeness. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. If you live, you're going to face problems. You say, I didn't come here for that today. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. You're going to face problems. Every person in this room, before you die, you're going to face problems. If you haven't already. I love that old song by Louis Armstrong. It's a wonderful world. Yes, it is, but it's also a broken world. Life is wrought and filled with difficulties. Even Jesus, who was 100% perfect, faced problems. If Jesus faced problems, you and I will face problems. You're just going to. But these verses give hope. I love it. It says... While he was on the way, Jesus was on the way, they didn't even know it. While Jesus was passing by, Jesus was passing by, and they didn't even see him at first. He was entering into their situation so that they could meet him. And I'm telling you today, if you're going through a problem, you listen to me, Jesus is on the way. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is entering your situation right now. And right here, right now, you can meet Jesus. I want to say this to you. You come to Bellevue, you're going to hear the name Jesus. All we've sung about this morning is Jesus this and Jesus that. And you're going to get something else when you come to Bellevue. That is the Bible. That's all we know because Jesus and the Bible can get it done. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're going to face problems, but Jesus is on the way. He's passing by. Touch the hem of his garment, and you'll be made whole. Number two, problems prompt prayer. People face problems, but problems prompt prayer. That's why God lets us have some problems sometimes, because we had not been praying like we should. Look at verse 13. They raise their voices. They cried out to Jesus. They didn't know they were supposed to be quiet. They raised their voices, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I got news for you. You got leprosy. That's how you pray. You don't pray some little serene, Jesus. No, it's Jesus. Help. Sometimes that's the best prayer you can pray, by the way. By the way, that's why Jesus said, go to your closet. You might shout once in a while. You might. No doubt they had heard of Jesus. Who hadn't? 
They even knew that he had healed people with leprosy. We read back in Luke's gospel, 12 chapters back in Luke 5, while he was on, in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He stretched out his hand and touched him. You don't touch lepers. You don't do that unless you're Jesus. Saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even further. Large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So they cried out. They said, I know, we know that you've healed people with leprosy. Jesus, have mercy on us. I've prayed for people for 40 years. And 40-something years ago, I decided if somebody was sick, I was going to pray for them to be healed and leave the results with God. I was looking at that verse in James that I preached from not too long ago here and other verses, and I just said, you know what? I don't know the will of God on everything, but I'm going to pray. And you know what? If it's not the will of God, God will do the will of God. But if it is the will of God, I want to agree with God. And I'm going to do what God says. He says, pray for people to be healed. Pray for miracles. So I'm going to pray for it and leave it up to God. And I'm not going to be mad whatever he does. You say, well, you don't have any faith. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But, I, you know, I, I, I don't think God always heals. And I don't think it's back on us. I think it's God knows a lot more about the situation than we do. I heard a guy say one time when I was in seminary, he, he said, I believe God wants to heal everybody all the time. I said, then why are you wearing glasses? He didn't know what to say. I said, if you believe that, hand me your glasses and press on. He said, you were a smart aleck. Well, I was young. <laughs> you can get away with that when you're younger, amen? But don't tell me you believe in all that kind of stuff. I don't even know why I got on that. Let me get back on my sermon. But I was asked to go by the hospital and see a young couple. The man's wife, they were young. She had a big mass in her abdomen. They wanted me to pray for her. I went by. I only had one full-time staff member. We were the whole staff. We, whenever we were together, we were having a staff meeting. Amen. I mean, it was perpetual sometimes. We just hung together all the time. And so we went by. We went into the waiting area. She was, it was the pre-op area before she went into operation. Prayed that she would be healed through medicine, miracle, or both. Went. She said, what would you do after that? We just went away and did some other things, and we got a call. When they opened her up, that huge mass was gone. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't pray some grandiose prayer. I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, heal her. I'd prayed prayers like that before and people had not been healed. We don't know when God's going to do what. Amen? But I just thought, Lord, if you can use a little prayer like that, you can use us anytime you want to. But I believe that when we have problems, we ought to pray. Jesus said, you got a mountain, you got a problem, you ought to Ask me to move it. 
Isn't that what he said in Mark chapter 11? Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, the mountain's a problem. Be taken up, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says, talking about says in prayer, is going to happen. It will be granted him. How do I know it's because he says in prayer? Because the next verse says, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them and they will be granted you. Now, they, you won't always get exactly what you pray for, but you will always get a response from God when you pray. If you'll pray according to the will of God, 1 John 4, Five says this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from God. When our prayers line up with the will of God, we get what we ask for. Problems prompt prayer. Some of the greatest prayer warriors I've ever known are people who have gone through severe problems. Number three, prayers procure God's power. When you pray, God's power comes to you. Little prayer, little power. Some prayer, some power. Lots of prayer, lots of power. We need the power of God today, folks. You need to pray like you've never prayed. You need to take, let me say this to you. I really feel led to say this to you. Take your prayer life to another level so that God doesn't have to give you some tragedy before you go to another level. Don't make God have to put you through something for you to go to another level. Just go ahead and go to the next level and say, I'm going to take it to another level. I'm going to get more serious about God and prayer. I'm going to really pray. When he saw them, verse 14, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. They met Jesus. They petitioned him in prayer. Jesus spoke to them, and he healed them. Go and show yourself as an act of faith. Go and show yourselves to the priest. The Old Testament law was that the leper was supposed to go to the priest after he had been healed from leprosy. So what Jesus said, just act like you've been healed. <laughs> Some folks belittle Peter. They say he's the one that denied Jesus. Yeah, but you know what else? He's the only one besides Jesus that walked on water. Remember that day that, or that night? Early morning, Matthew 14, in the fourth watch. I got this pause now. Over the last couple of decades, I can't tell you how many times I've awakened in the fourth watch. What is the fourth watch between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m.? God likes to talk early in the morning. And he will wake you up. And if you've got, dare I say it, good sense, <laughs> you'll just get up and talk with him. Pray with him. Read the word. It's quiet between 3 a.m. and 6. If he lets you sleep to 7, that's fine. But notice in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. 
walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water, come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Don't you be knocking, Peter. You've never walked on water. You may have skied on water, but you've never, you may have been barefooted on water, but you have not walked on water. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Faith activates the power of God. I want you to read this verse with me off the screen so we'll all be reading it together. It's my favorite verse on faith, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Would you read it with me, please? Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I've had people tell me, Oh, you're preaching works when you say that when you pray, God will bless you. No, that's just obedience. When you seek the Lord, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who go to bed on time and get up on time to spend some time with the Lord. He is a rewarder of those who will cry out to God instead of crying out to everybody else. He is a rewarder of those who pray, who fast, who seek him, who get in his word, who live like that day in, day out, not just when they have problems. Not just when they get a bad diagnosis, but when they do that every day, who say, I'm not good enough to raise my kids in the days in which we live. I'm not good enough to be the husband in the days in which we live. I'm not good enough to be the Christian in the days in which we live. I need the help of God, so I am gonna proactively seek God, and he will reward you, friend. He will reward you. I'll show you that at the very end of the sermon. That guy got something that none of the other nine got. You ready? Not there yet. Hang on. Prayer procures God's power. Number four, God's power provokes praise. When God does something for you, don't you just want to thank God? I mean, when the victory comes, when the answer comes, don't you just want to thank God? Amen. Look at verse 15. Now, one of them... <laughs> When he saw that he'd been healed, turned back. Boy, I like that. One of them turned back, glorifying God. I'm sure he was saying, well, praise the Lord. I imagine he was doing a cartwheel for Jesus, don't you? Glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet. That's what happens when God's done something for you that you couldn't do for yourself, you just fall on your face and say, oh, Jesus, 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 thank you so much. Thank you, Lord God. You ever been there? Giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. He saw he'd been healed. He looked down and his fingers had grown back. They were soft again. He felt his face. It wasn't rigid anymore. It wasn't bloody. It didn't have all kinds of 
cuts in it and pus and all that other stuff. He, he's reaching around his face. His ears had grown back. His nose had grown back because they'd fallen off. His fingers had come back. His toes had come back. He couldn't believe it. Jehovah Rapha had come to him. And he was glorifying God. With a loud voice, hallelujah, I am healed. Praise God, I can go back to my wife. Praise God, I got my life back. Praise God, glory to God. He wasn't just saying, well, praise the Lord. No, no. No. He looked into the eyes of Jesus who had healed him. He fell on his face. He grabbed Jesus' feet. He never dreamed that he could get to go home. He never dreamed that he'd hold his wife again. He was unrestrained in thanksgiving. That's exactly how you and I ought to live every day. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that when you were in sinking in sin, Jesus pulled you out of the miry clay, set your feet on a rock, put a new song in your heart called the Holy Spirit, a song of praise to your God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that he made you a new creation in Jesus Christ, old things have passed away, new things have come. You talk differently, you walk differently, you think differently, you do differently, you go differently to different places than you used to go. You hang around with different people than you used to hang around. Aren't you glad, Tyson? that he baptized you with the Holy Spirit the moment you got saved? Aren't you glad that he gave you your spouse? Aren't you glad that he gave you your family? Aren't you glad today that he gave you clothes to wear? You've got more clothes than you can wear at one time. Did you know that? Amen. I found some shoes today. I had these on for, I just liked them. I wore them. I got happy feet today. Amen. My feet are having revival. These things are comfortable. Those other shoes hurt my feet. I don't like my feet to hurt. Amen. I'm thanking God for comfortable feet today. I bet you wish you had some. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. Thank you for clothes to wear, food to eat. Thank you, Lord God, for all the blessings. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for letting me live in America. Thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, dear God, for spiritual power. Thank you, Lord God, for answering my prayer. Thank you, Lord God, that we get to live in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Hey, no, don't tell me you can't do that. Don't tell me you can't do that. You know, just, just every once in a while, just haul off and start thanking God. And quit griping all the time. My back hurts. Well, bless your little heart. <laughs> quit mouthing all that stuff. And start letting come out of your mouth praises to God. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. 
I got more to say, but I don't have enough time. Heaven is going to be wonderful because I'm going to preach as long as I want. Amen? <laughs> God's power provokes praise. Now, you ready for the, the, the last part? You ready for the good part? You're not? You want me, you want me to talk to these? These folks are gone. I don't know where they went. <laughs> By the way, we're not doing away with the choir. This is getting ready for the Christmas musical, okay? So don't, I don't want any letters. Why did we do away with the choir, Brother Steve? <laughs> we didn't. Take a chill pill, amen? Amen. Number five. Praise pleases God. Say that with me. Praise pleases God. Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed but the nine? Where are they? Now Jesus knew where they were. Jesus knew that there were 10. Jesus is not asking questions to gain information. He's doing what he always does in the New Testament. He's asking questions to make people think. Weren't there 10? Where are the others? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this Samaritan, this foreigner? And he said to him, say that out loud. He said to him. He didn't say it to them. He said it to him. Why? He's the only one who gave thanks. People that get thanks, here it is now, hear things from God that people who don't give thanks don't hear from God. Some of y'all out there wanting to hear from God. I'll tell you how to hear from God. Start thanking God for what he's done for you. And quit griping all the time about what you don't have. Just start thanking him for what you do have. Amen. How many of you want to hear from God? Start thanking him. Stop it. Stop ignoring him. Start thanking God. The minute you begin to feel sorry for yourself, just start thanking God. I'm not going down that rabbit hole, no. Poor pitiful me. No, not poor pitiful me. God saved my soul. My name is in the book of life. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. I got the Holy Spirit in me. My name is in the Lamb's book of life. I'm part of a family of God. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm preaching. And he said to him, stand up. No doubt he was so bent down. He was crooked and bent over. And for the first time in a long time, he stood up. Stand up. Go. Your faith has made you well. Nobody else heard it but the one who gave thanks. You want to hear from God? Let him hear from you. Hear what I just said? You want to hear from God? Let him hear from you. Parents, once in a while, your kids will call you and say, hey, thank you. After you drop the phone and pick it back up. 
say you're welcome. And what does it make you want to do? Bless them even more. That's not why you say thanks. You say thanks because you're thankful. Don't be like the nine. Be like the one. And you'll hear things that other people don't hear. Stand up, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Oh, David, thank the Lord. When God helped him, he said in 2 Samuel 22, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Exalted be my God. The rock of my salvation. The God who executes vengeance for me and brings down peoples under me who also brings me out from my enemies who even lift you even lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from violent men. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing your praises, praises to your name. Paul said it too, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 13, 15, the writer of Hebrews said, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let's thank God right now for being so good to us. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise pleases God. Don't you want to please the Lord? One of the sweetest people God ever put on this planet is a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata. She had a Swimming accident, she dove in and she broke her neck. She's been a quadriplegic for a long time. And she said, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. Giving thanks is a matter of obedience. You just obey God and you give thanks. Psalm 34, verse 1 says, and if you ever got anything, if you ever got a letter from Adrian Rogers, if you ever had a Bible signed by Adrian Rogers, if you ever, ever got his name anywhere, he put down Psalm 34, verse 1. Read it with me, please. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How long will it be in your mouth? Continually. Well, I don't know what to say. If you don't know what to say, just start thanking God. I don't know how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, just start thanking God. I don't know what to do. If you just don't know what to do, just this is what you know to do. I shall continually praise God. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And she is a quadriplegic, and she said that. It's good when we praise the Lord. It's good when we thank the Lord.